Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yes, here we go, another big guest, John Daly. How you doing, big man, all right? I'm fine, yeah, good. Thanks yeah. very much for coming on. No, thanks for having me on. Thank John you. Daly, football player. I look like John Daly, the golfer, so we're fucking... Well, I've been confused for him a few times. Have you? He's huge, isn't he? <laughs> He's a big boy, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Need to ask you as well, celebrity pals, Amy McDonald. Yes. Richie Forster, how's that? how'd that come about? Obviously, when I went to Rangers, um, me and Fozzy signed at the same time, um, and got on really well. So, you know that kind of just blossomed and he started to see Amy around the same time and um, I remember actually one of the first times we went out together me and Foz and, and he went back to Amy's house and I was staying at Foz's that night Right. and I rang my missus and I said oh Linda I'm, I'm going back to Amy's house with, with Foz and then my battery went on my phone Right. Oh, and she's yeah. panicking she's thinking <laughs> what's going on here so um, so one of the next home games when, when Amy came to watch and Linda was at the game, she marched over, oh, hi, Amy, I'm Linda. And she's like, my missus is quite up front. And <laughs> so now they, they get on actually really well as well now. So um, we were at their wedding there um, in Vegas, which was incredible. Wow. Did she sit and play the guitar at parties, isn't it? Um, occasionally she's, she's got the guitar out when we've had a few nights out and maybe gone back to her house and she's got the guitar out. I actually trying to get her to get me on her album, but she won't, she won't have it. <laughs> I'm going to come to the next party, all right? I'm in. Uh, right, mate, we're going to the career. What was the pathway in football like over in Ireland as a kid? Cherry yeah. Orchard, wasn't it? Yeah, Cherry Orchard. Big club. Yeah, it's it's one of the bigger clubs in Dublin. Uh, one of the bigger schoolboy clubs. I started off in my local team, um, local estate team, Ashwood. Um, it was just a couple of parents put a team together because there was loads of kids in the estate that played. So I think it was like an under 10s team. I was seven, just starting out, went there for a year and then went down to Cherry Orchard, um, which was quite near where my dad grew up. Um, so he knew a few of the coaches there, managed to get me in, um, in on a trial, got onto the squad. And then just from there, just, you know, just went through the age groups with Cherry Orchard and, and loved it there. It was, it was great. Good upbringing. Yeah, yeah. And really good club. You know, as I said, it's one of the bigger clubs in Dublin. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of good players have come out of Cherry Orchard. Um, Were you still a on. target man at seven? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually a, a tall, skinny guy that could run channels and I could, uh, I was quick, eh? I used to be quick. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah, I think the injuries took their tolls on me, toll uh-huh. on me over the years. But no, I, I think as a kid, you're just, you just play the game. Eh? And I was always kind of in that attacking area, loved scoring goals. Um, 
and it kind of just went from there. Um, going to Stockport, when I went over originally on, on trial, I just I just got a good feeling off the place and a good vibe off the, the coaches and the people that worked there. and So I felt like the right decision at that time and um happy I went there. I played at Stockport, it's a good club isn't it? It is, uh-huh. yeah, and it's it's a it's a decent ground and, and they had their own training ground at the time. Um, you know, so I'm not sure if they still have that. Um but you know, I probably when I was there I probably lost my way a bit. You know, you're moving away from Ireland at fifteen. You know, you're 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 a, a young Did you go out a lot? kid. Yeah. Yeah, and that was uh-huh. probably like you know, you go out you go over with the best intentions that, you know, you're gonna be a football player, but then you kinda of get caught up with everything that goes along with that and you're um you probably lose focus a bit. And that's probably why, you know, when you go back to the Dundee United thing with the with the younger ones, you know, you you're trying to help them from the experiences that I've had at, yeah. at Stockport where I kind of maybe went off the rails a, a little bit and lost my way and uh, lost my focus a bit and, and you kind of see that, you know, the rewards in the game nowadays are massive that if you can keep that focus it can it can really help you. Gary Megson was the manager. Now he looks like an absolute lunatic to me. Is uh, he? I uh, will when I went in, obviously I was in the U team with Craig Madden, who was a former player, and, and Gary was the the manager. Mike Phelan was his assistant. Oh, was it Mike Phelan? Uh, was Mike it? Phelan wow. was assistant. So like, you know, the good pedigree, good good manager, and and you know, being exposed to their training sessions and being involved with the first team at that age was was great. And you know, um, you know, he was someone that a bit like like probably Levine had a presence. Um, you know, and didn't take any any crap off anyone. You know, just his decisions were were made, and and if he didn't follow that, then you you were soon out the door. See, if you were a young boy going up to the first team and you were given the ball, maybe with Megson, would he be on you straight away, or would he would he give you a bit of time because you were younger? Um, the players probably were. The players probably were. You know, the uh, it's obviously changed. That like yeah. the game has changed massively, even in terms of like. You know, when I signed as a youth player, like you had to do the jobs, you had to clean the boots, you had to do anything. And if, you, if the boots were dirty, they'd get thrown back at you. And, you know, so you can't get away with that now. Yeah. You couldn't get away with that now. You, you'd be dragged up in front of the HR, you know. Yeah. So um, it was acceptable back then and you you had to do it, you know. And, and I, I recall, you know, going into the stadium, cleaning all the seats before the, before the season kicked off. And that was part of your upbringing as a as a young player. Uh, Carlton Palmer became the manager. What yeah. was he like? Big name. Yes. Um, Carlton, to be fair to him, I, I felt for him. You know, again, when you look back over these situations, you know, at the time you probably don't realise, but he kind of got put in a situation where he had to bring, he had to empty all the probably experienced players and, and bring all the younger ones through who, who were good players, but probably weren't ready for that. Um, that exposure to first team football at that stage. So I think, you know, he, he didn't have anyone on the park that could help us and, and galvanise us and, and bring us together. You know, if you're winning a game 1-0 and you're looking to use that experience to see the game out, he didn't have anyone because he had to cut the wage bills. And But he was someone who, he was a character, you know, he was, um, you know, he, he loved... He loved team bonding nights. So again, you know, bringing the team out on nights out, and um, he was partial to a bottle of Dom Perignon. Yes, love that. Yeah, uh, he he loved ordering a bottle of DP for CP. Was his was his <laughs> that yeah. was his show. Um, you know, and, and uh, me and Jim Goodwin were there at the time. Um, I used to laugh about that, but you know, he, he was a character, and he was someone that had the right intentions, but probably didn't get helped um, at the time. 
So see, when you were young kids, would you be playing up front and training in Jim Goodwin to be playing centre half? Jim played midfield. Midfield, did he? Aye, right, he was it? midfielder. Did yeah. you ever get on the end of uh, Goodwin elbow and training? No, I stayed away from Jim. Uh, Jim was a hard was player. Hard, he was a hard, hard player. Like, um, and he had a bit more experience about him than I had at that time. So you would just either try and you would try and stay on his team, or you would just stay away from. Uh, loan spells, Burry and Grimsby. We've had a lot of people on here who say when they go on loan, that's when they realise like I need to get my finger out. I don't want to come back to play at this level. Was it similar to you? Um, yes and no. I think the loan spells for me were were an opportunity to go and play. See, when when you're not in the first team, you know, as a young kid or a younger pro, I think first team football is important. You know, playing reserve team football for me, it has its purpose and it serves a purpose, but but fake. But aye, yeah. I think I think getting out and playing first team football and getting exposed to that, and that's kind of why I wanted to do that. And and you know, thankfully enough, I went to. To Bury and, and Grimsby, Grimsby was that was that was a low point in my career. But why? Just uh, no disrespect to Grimsby, but it's not a very nice part of the world. Well, and, uh, um, and it just it was you know I, I drove over from Manchester. I just couldn't bring myself to stay in Grimsby, um, and yeah, it just wasn't. It was a quick month um, that ended with a red card. That shouldn't have been a red card, but. Uh, 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 probably looking back now, I'm thankful that I did get the red card because it meant it cut it short. It cut it short in your back. And then, yeah. mate, game changer, move to Hartlepool. Yeah. How did that move come about? Um, well, Stockport had, had quite a number of managers, you know, and I, I probably felt like I'd served my time and my, it was coming to an end. And I think when Sammy McElroy was the manager, I'd spoken to him about how I felt and how I wanted to try and try something new and just to try and for my own personal kind of career and development just to try and kick on again and, and he agreed with me and we spoke about trying to to get something um, but then he got the sack yeah? <laughs> and a new manager comes in and, and Chris Turner came in and he he spoke to me and said oh, I want you to stay I want you to be part of my plans but my mind was already on moving and leaving and um, you know I don't think he was overly pleased but I'd kind of got to the stage of Stockport where I felt I needed to go and, I, and Hartlepool came up um, I had an opportunity to go to Rochdale or Hartlepool and Rochdale is in the Manchester area. I could have stayed in my house but I still felt that that would have been too similar. Yeah, you needed a change. So I needed a change, change of environment um, and went up to Hartlepool. Neil Cooper was the manager. He's meant to be a hero, Neil Cooper, isn't he? He was, yeah. Great man. Great man. Funny. Um, aye. Really, really good guy. Um you know, and someone that I enjoy playing for. And when you go to a club where, you know, the manager's gone out of the way to bring you in, you feel, you feel good, eh? Um, but it took me a while to get going there. It took me a while to settle. Um, and then when I did settle and got off the mark, I felt part of the, the group then, you know. He's nearly reached the championship playoff final. Ah. Now he's in the playoff finals. It is when you win, I'd imagine, yeah, but not when you get B. <laughs> Did you get so what was your squad? So we got B four two. Doing extra time. Uh, so we um we played Sheffield Wednesday um at the Millennium Stadium, which was a which was brilliant. Would have loved to play at Wembley, but it was all, I think it was getting done up at the time. So we went to Millennium Stadium. Um I was on the bench that day, came on and, and put us ahead with my first touch. You know, put us two one up and then eight minutes to go. Um I'm not sure who got brought down for them. I think it was Talbot got brought down in the in the box penalty, and, and Stephen McLean stepped up and McLean, yeah. and scored, <laughs> put two two, and then we we were down to ten men and got B four two in extra time. 
And then Hartlepool have bombed since then, haven't they? Aye, well, they've, they've not done particularly well. Was um, it still the Porter Cabins when you were there? Getting changed in the Porter? Oh, my, I used to hear yeah, that. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good club. Um, the Porter Cabins obviously went great. It was oh. the, the, the stadium... The stadium, I felt, was fit, fit for purpose for the size of the club. Um, they had a good training ground in Durham near the near the Union, that which was which was decent. Yeah. Um, so you were only kind of in about the stadium once every two weeks. Right. Um, but no, I enjoyed my. I did. I, I really enjoyed my time there, and I, I took a lot from it, and you know, learned about adversity. You know, when when people tell you you're not good enough for them or not part of their plans, and and just backing yourself and believing in yourself. And then, like, like I said, in football, something will always come about and you'll always get an opportunity to, to prove yourself. And and thankfully, I did that when I was there. Hartlepool get relegated and then the career kicks off, young man. Dundee United, who'd phoned you while you're at Hartlepool? Was it just an agent? Just an agent had phoned me. Cause, so I was still in that process of, you know, although I'd kind of done, done well, I was still... I still knew how quickly that could turn and how it could change. So... I was still looking for that that kind of next move, and, and I got a call about um, Dundee United, and you know at the time, if I'm being brutally honest, it gets no coverage in England, you know. So yeah. I didn't know an awful lot about Scottish football, um, so I spoke to Gav, and and he was just like, "Well, Dundee United are a are a big big club," yeah. so he said, "If you get the chance to go, just at least go up and see it." And um, but he said, "I would I would jump at the chance," so. Thankfully, I, I took I took his advice, and I had a phone call from Hunty as well. Now Hunty was at Dundee United at the time. Yeah. Who? How did you know him? Just from kids. Um, we were in the same Ireland Twenty Ones team yeah. a couple of times. Um, so I, I kind of knew him through that, but didn't know him that well. Um, but got I've obviously got to know him um, over the years and, and built that friendship with him now. And um, yeah, so he 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 made the call. Gavin kind of gave me a good recommendation and came up to to see the club and so oh, obviously no brainer Dundee United and Hartlepool yeah well you yeah. know like I said you're going from a stadium like that it's it's a tidy little stadium Victoria Park but you know it's it's quite small and you've got as you mentioned the Porter Cabins yeah. to then going and walking out the tunnel at Tannadice and you're like this proper, proper football club eh? um, so yeah so it was a great opportunity to come up to Scotland and, and, and again try something different you know the game it's totally different, you know. I would come off playing a Hartlepool and I'd have like stud marks here, stud marks on my back, and it was just like the physical side of the game was was like incredible. When you come to Scotland, it's probably less less so the physicality. It's more about playing the game and playing football, and, and I, that was something I uh, really enjoyed. And Craig Levine was a gaffer, proper gaffer. Uh, what were your initial impressions of him? My first proper introduction was half-time at Rangers in my first game when we were, I think we were 2-0 or 3-0 down at the time and he came in and he just tore shreds through Gary Kennett and threw bottles at him. What did he say? I can't even remember. I just remember sitting there thinking, who have I signed for? <laughs> you know, I was honestly, I was sat there and I was like, what have I done? Like, I've come up here and I'm signed for a madman, you know? <laughs> but he was, he, he had that presence. He had that, you know... He was intense, um, and I think his attention to detail was really, really good. You know, the video analysis kind of stuff. We had, we touched on it at Hartlepool, but that was the first time I'd properly been exposed to, you know, video analysis like every Monday, and he would pull up every little detail. What was, do you remember the first time you got it? Um, not really, no. But there would have been times. But I, I always tried to use that as fuel. You know, if yeah. someone has a go at me, I always try and use it to prove people wrong, you know, and I tried to, 
you know, I think that's probably how people got the best out of me as a player when they did have a go at me, you know, whereas other people probably don't respond to that and um, that way I kind of responded to that and, and I, I used that as a, like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. show you, like, you know. Was, was Gary Kenneth, was that incident in the Washington team with Levine Gord or was there, a, was there any others? Um, I'm sure I'm sure Kenzo got Kenzo was probably doing forts so he used to get it quite a bit. Um I think he was on loan at Cowden Beat maybe at the time. And we we used to train kind of around Dundee and we used to change at Tanadice and we'd so we'd we'd all meet at Tanadice, get changed, jump on the minibuses, go wherever we were training, whether it was Ball Dragon School or or down by the fire station or, or whatever. And I remember Kenzo was in because he was on obviously on loan to a part-time club and Craig had called him in and, and you could hear him from the changing room just berating him and going through him because he'd said something after the game about I'm going to show Craig that I should be at Dundee United and it was like <laughs> so you could hear him from the so we could hear him from the changing room just absolutely annihilating him you know and I was just I was just like well I don't want to be on that room but <laughs> but that's how he was eh? yeah, yeah. and that's that was kind of how he was a top manager there wasn't he that's how football was yeah. you know and that's like I said as kind of football's evolved he's changed how he approaches it and he was obviously different at hearts um, you know different than, than what I'd remembered as a player Paul Hartley said when he went to hearts his level of fitness and people that he'd played with before was on, was totally different to what Craig Levine expected an SPL player's fitness to be was that someone at Dundee United as well? Aye yeah, but so I, I think you were fat enough. Well, uh, I probably thought I was, but he clearly didn't. <laughs> so we used to go down like you'd have days where you'd just go to the gym and he'd, he'd get you on the treadmill and he'd expect you to do certain run on the treadmill. And I remember on the treadmill, I'm going as quick as I can, eh? and then I was like, I'm either jumping and putting my feet to the sides and holding on, or I'm shooting off the back <laughs> of the treadmill. So I've jumped on, and he's like, John, get your hands off the treadmill. So I've jumped back on and I'm going again. <laughs> And then again, I've done it, and he's like, John, hands off the treadmill. And I've gone, and he's like, John, if you do that one more time, you are all starting again. And all the boys are then thinking, like, oh, for yeah. So, and I remember Ranks, Ranks tells me about it all the time. He always canes me about it, you know. Um, but you, you were expected to do, um, do certain things and, and get the fitness to a certain level. And so, see, when you jump back on, did you end up falling off? No, I, I managed to somehow probably put my hands on when he wasn't looking <laughs> <laughs> i remember we were doing a usually was taking a passing drill kind of just after the warm-up so the players are probably still thinking it's still a progression from the warm-up and and the standard wasn't great it, the ball's gone astray and then he stopped it and he said lads this must improve huh? or else i'm going to run you and we were kind of there's no thinking, way you're running us a game we're playing tomorrow there's no way we're running <laughs> <laughs> so i started back up a couple of minutes past Still rubbish standard. He stops us, gets us on the line, every line and back, like as quick as we can. And we were like, wow, right? So you have a couple of players who you know yourself, when when they say run to that line, they think two yards it's away. two yards away and that does my head in. But a couple of boys come short. He's obviously clocked it. We all finish thinking, he's gone right. He's not going to the line. You're all going again. We're thinking, it's game off tomorrow. <laughs> So bang, again, back into the passing drill. And it was like, right lads, if this isn't up to standard, you're doing it again. Wow. And it was like... But it's gone for you. I love that, mate. Aye, it's gone. Society the standards know what it should be then. We need to do something about it. Aye. I, I, I agree to a certain extent, but I think society has changed and the game has changed. And it's, um, you know, you, you probably 
can't get away with stuff like that anymore, but it didn't do us any harm. Eh? Would anyone would would you go for anyone, or was there people who would be exempt? Did you have like a couple of favourites that would that you wouldn't shout at, or was was everyone no, fair game? No, everyone was fair game. Eh? Even big big Lee Wilkie, you know. I remember the day before the the League Cup final against Rangers, we went down to Trainer Hearts training ground, and I'd just come back from an injury, um, so I was trying like a bear to get in the squad, eh? and I was like in training, I was running about going doing things that I probably yeah. wouldn't on, running channels like never ran a channel in my life apart from when I was a kid um, and Big Streaky was like what are you doing and I was like I'm just trying to get myself back in the squad eh? so <laughs> he uh, something happened at a throw in where I've kind of done something and I've ran away from him and, and Craig was up in the stand watching the game and he's got, he stopped and he's gone Streaky do it right and Big Streaky has gone oh, I've gone back at yeah. him and it's kind of like I've then I'm then standing there thinking shit like I've stitched streaky up here like yeah. and and the big man like I'm not gonna take him on because he'd knock me out. Yeah, he's about to be hard. He's a big it, boy, yeah. yeah. You know, so I was then thinking shit like what have I done here? But he he would go for anyone, huh? Yeah. Like Barry Robson got it in a video analysis session once, you know, not tracking a runner. Um, and would Robo take that? You would have to, because huh? it's clear as day on the video, yeah. you know. Um, Brilliant. You know, you, you couldn't get away with anything, huh? And that's what I say, the, the attention to detail, like it wasn't it wasn't as if he had one rule for you and then one rule for me. It was like, if you didn't do it, you got pulled up. And I think that was, every player knew where they stood um, and they knew what was expected. Amazing, love that. Uh, who, who impressed you players-wise? You said mentioned Barry Robson, he was top at United at that time, wasn't he? Aye, he was, he was a top, top player. Um, he was another one who who so drove aggressive, wasn't aggressive he? in tra- like the training and as we spoke about was you trained as you played eh? and you, you, everything was done to a tempo um, and if the if the standards dropped you had boys like like Baz and, and Streaky and and boys like that that would demand did it ever come to uh, boys it it did to, it did a couple of times um, I remember big Lee Wilkie and um, Kovacevic. Oh, had a, a coming together. It wasn't really, to be honest. Well, it was Kovacic, nah. No, it was, yeah, but Big Streaky just gave him a slap and fractured his eye socket. Wow. Aye, the guy wasn't And what was that there. over? Just standards not being good enough? I can't remember. I can't yeah. recall. But it was a, it was a five-a-side game or a seven-a-side game and it just it got a bit heated um, and the two of them came together and, and Streaky just, boom, fractured his eye socket and I was just like... If that's what you can do with a slap, imagine what you could do with a, a proper punch. And would Levine not mind that now? Would he quite I like don't, that? Do you know what? I think he, I don't think he was there that day. I right. think it was Eusti that was taking training. So Eusti was probably panicking, thinking, oh my God, I've been asked to take training. <laughs> and now we've got a boy with a fractured eye socket. Another wee angry man, and he asked you about Willow Flood. He must have, he was the angriest guy I've, I've played with. Just moaned constantly. Uh, like, was he the same at United? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, but again, just just someone who, who wants to win yeah. and just wants to drive standards. And, not moaning for the sake of moaning, moaning when when things aren't was it good enough. Uh-huh. Aye, things aren't good enough, and and the standards that you expect, and you know, Willow's played at some top clubs and and with some really good players. So, you know, when when boys like that are are trying to drive standards, then you know you kind of you try and take it on board. You and Hunt had to off straight away, didn't you? You said a great partnership. Aye, well, I think I think Hunty was probably quite happy to have someone that you know took a bit of. Um, probably pressure off him, you know, because, yeah. you know, a lot of the, even at corner kicks, you know, a lot of the bigger boys would mark me and Hunty was excellent in the air, you know, and he great was someone, spring, great yeah. spring and he, he could he could get up there and hang, he great hang time. 
Um, you know, and I think he, he I think we complemented each other really well in terms of like he would do the the running beyond, whereas I would try and link the game and um yeah, and, and I think the friendship off the park helps that as well, you know, when you get on really well. Uh, first game, mate, 5-0 defeat at Ibrox. As you said, Gary Kenneth got slaughtered. How was that uh, Monday morning debrief? Um, for personally, it was okay because I got a pass mark, surprisingly. I don't know how. What did he actually say, John, you get pass no, marks? No, I think he just, you know, he said like after the game, I think it was myself and I can't mind one other person had, hadn't stopped trying and hadn't stopped working in his opinion and I kind of got... Um, and maybe yeah. players were looking thinking you know new kid on the block getting teacher's pet yeah. um, but you know that was something that I tried to do regardless of score keep going keep going um, but it was definitely a baptism of fire going to Ibrox's first game I think it was Walter Smith's first game back in charge right um, and battered 5-0 so yeah Are you thinking you'd made the wrong decision at that time? No not at all I think when you go like Especially when I look at the the level I'd been at, you know, I'd been at you know Stockport, Hartlepool. You play against some decent clubs, some big stadiums, but you know, majority of the time you're going to the likes of Accrington Stanley, where you know there's holes in the roof in the chain, you know, <laughs> or you're getting changed in the port of cabin. Oh, it's a worse me. You're then going to you know play at Oibrox, yeah. which is a is a real football stadium, a proper football stadium, mm. and it's like you know a great experience regardless of uh, the result. First goal, 90th minute equaliser against Celtic. What a relief. First goal and such a big game as well. That day, your confidence of all the good. Yeah, yeah. I think when you go to any club, I said about Hartlepool, it seemed to always take me time to, get to settle and get going. And then, you know, the first training session, or one of the first training sessions I had at Dundee United, we'd done 11 v 11 and scored a hat-trick in eight minutes. And I was like, and all the boys were probably thinking, who's, who's this guy? <laughs> and then you go into a game and you can't hit a barn door. <laughs> so... So yeah, so like it was great. I think in that game, I think if I remember, Baz had just been sent off, and big streaky had been thrown up front, and the ball had come over his head, and I've just swung at it, and it's gone in the bottom corner. It gets us a point, and um, you know, such a big game um, for the club and, and for myself. So it was it was a great great way to get off the mark and and to get going, and and then I think the following game against Aberdeen, we went up to Petardji one four two, scored a penalty in the first minute or so. Um, so I felt that I was on, you on know, on, on on a bit of momentum, on fire, starting to find my my scoring form, and then obviously two or three games later, you then get injured. Uh, nightmare, mate. Yeah. So as you say, you got injured, and you came on against Celtic in the final game of the season. We just ready to go for the season after that fresh start. Get. I uh, so I think I, I it was Inverness. I remember it well. I just jumped for a header, landed on my knee, kind of jarred a different way, and I was like. That doesn't feel right. And I was kind of running about and I went to to run after a ball, uh, just chasing the ball down. I know, I know, just, just, target, just target man. <laughs> so I was chasing the ball down and I was like, that doesn't feel right. And I actually remember walking off to the touchline and going, Gaffer, my knee just doesn't feel right. And he's like, right, but get off the park. And I was like, right, all right. I actually felt bad for having to come off. But it turns out that I'd like ruptured my posterior crucial ligament. So um, I ended up out for, I think it was supposed to be nine months. Um, I came back I think I came back against Kilmarnock in the might have been the November so it was like seven months but two games later at Hibs I, I done my ankle so like the start of my United career was was just plagued start, uh-huh. plagued with injuries and, and not just like you know little niggly ones like major injuries that are going to keep you out for a substantial amount of time and um, 
yeah, and then from that one I came back and played Celtic, and it was funny because at the end of that, after that game against Celtic, um, or sorry, the end of that season, I had a phone call from the agent saying that Craig, had, you know, he's bringing in other strikers, and if you find another club, you can move on. Um, so I was in that wow. same situation as I was at Hartlepool. Did you go and see Levine after you heard that? No, I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna just because I knew the players that he was bringing in were different, huh? And yeah. I'm. Who was that, Sindaza? No, that was uh, Roy O'Donovan, Warren Feeney at the time. Right. So you kind of look and you go, right, the different types of strikers and they don't kind of offer the same um, the same qualities, qualities got, yeah. that I can to the team. They're good players in their own right, but, you know, they're, they're different. So, um, again, I just kind of bide my time, wait for that opportunity. And I was played against Kelvin Beata, um away at Station Park I think and, and scored a hat-trick right. so that kind of then put me back in the shop window at, at Dun- and put me back in the thoughts uh, the thought process of the manager and, and gave me that opportunity then kick on at, at United but then, it was funny because you, you kind of think I could be on my way out here yeah, I bet you a lot of Dundee United fans didn't know that you were no, told at one stage you could yeah, go yeah. wow yeah, I, was, I was told I'd be like fourth or fifth choice striker so um but that's that's football, eh? and that, yeah. that happens, and and I can understand the mindset and the thinking behind it because I think I've maybe only played seventeen games in in two seasons, and um, and I had two major injuries, so yeah. you're probably thinking like there's a good chance he's not going to come back the same player. But then you are flying, and there's talk of a new deal. I love this story. So your agent phones you and tells you the deal that you're getting. Aye, and you're yeah. <laughs> so so. I done really, I came back from them injuries, done really well, and um, the club then decide they want to keep me. Um, there's negotiations that the agent is dealing with. He came, he rang me up and said, "This is the offer," and I thought that's brilliant. I'm happy to sign. Great. When they were signing, he told me the whole fire that you know I think I think I can squeeze a little bit more money out of him, and I said, "Well, look, as the agent, that's your job, but I'm happy with that deal." Eh? Um, Ten minutes later, the phone goes. Did Craig. you? But sorry, did you not say? But make sure you tell him I'm happy with ah, the deal. Ah, so I said, look, tell him like you know, if you can't get any more, tell him that I'm happy, and you're just trying to see if you can get more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the phone rang ten minutes later, and it was the agent saying Craig's not happy with you, and I was like, what do you mean he's not happy with me? I've done nothing wrong. I said I'm happy with my deal. <laughs> so I ended up basically not sleeping that night, just thinking, oh God, what's happening here? So I went in the next morning, uh, Craig and Eusti were out setting up the pitch and I just said, Gaffer, I can have a word. Um, and he, he, I knew he wasn't happy because the way he, he responded. And I said, look, the contract offer, I don't know what's being said, but I'm extremely happy with it. I'm happy to go down to Tanadoy's after training and sign the contract. <laughs> But I am really happy with it, and I was happy with it, and I, and I appreciate the offer, you know, because obviously the club have stood by me with my injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and he said, well, "That's good because you weren't going to play on Saturday. Now you're back in the team." <laughs> did you? Yeah. So, and then did you sign it that day? I think it might have been the day or the day after I signed it. Yeah. So, but as I said, I was I was delighted to stay on. It was a really good. It was probably one of the best clubs I played for at that time. See, halfway through the season, he left the man in Scotland. Uh, was there any indication? There was a lot of media speculation, wasn't there? There was media speculation, and there was, you know, he was doing well at United, and um, you kind of, again, in football, you don't believe it until it happens, you know, because there's always speculation, whether it's transfers or, or whatever. Um, 
and with managers moving here, there, and everywhere, and and, and it's kind of all hearsay until until it actually happens. And when it happened, it was a, it was a surprise to be honest. Obviously, we've seen the the press and the reports on it, but we were surprised when it happened, and and that then brings a bit of uncertainty for you know we had a, a group that were really close and um and and felt we were doing well, um but it just brings that uncertainty of you know a new manager, which I'd, you know I'd seen numerous times before at other clubs when a new manager comes in and. You're then deemed surplus yeah. to requirements, so you know that uncertainty comes in, and and then you start to maybe have you know uh, that little bit of worry about what's going to happen. Were you happy with Peter Houston getting the job? Yeah, I think as a group we were. You know, like we obviously all liked Houston yeah. as an assistant, um, you know, and I think Houston. I think at the time, if I remember correctly, he said he wasn't wanting the job, um, but he was happy to kind of take the reins until. Um, until some, Sunday, until yeah. someone came in, but you know, Eusty was was a good good guy and and someone that everyone liked and someone that we all kind of knew where we stood with him. Um, and and with that, if he if he takes the job, it gives a bit of continuity to what's happening, and um, and then you don't have that kind of period when a new manager comes in and he's assessing everything. He, he just knows what you can do and. Yeah. And Eusty, to be fair to him, I think he tweaked a few things and, and he probably gave the team maybe a little bit more of freedom to attack and um in an in an attacking sense. Um and and you know, maybe introduced a, a couple more of the younger ones and gave them a bit more game time. See, who, who did you enjoy playing with the most hunt goodwill in? That's a tough question, Good question, Tony. They're, they're all good That's players. That's why we're the best of it, big man. Aye. <laughs> no. I, I'm gonna be in person and say I enjoyed playing with them all because they all they all offered different things, eh? and and they were all they were all quite similar in in a way that like they did the things that I didn't do, you know they they ran about, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know they I think they complimented us we complimented each other well do you know what I mean and I think um, Goody Goody was someone who you could give him the ball and he could go and just make something ha- happen Johnny was similar in the sense that he could you know get the ball on his left foot and he could put it in the top corner oh, from thirty yeah. yards. Hunty was probably technically wasn't as you know at the same level as the two boys, but was just as as good a player in terms of uh, as the way he worked and you know someone who never never stopped working for the team. Um, but yeah, no, treat them good moves off the back of playing with yeah. me. So <laughs> you eventually got one as well. So, but see that see this dressing room that's before this is before the likes of Gardine and Gunning and and this sort of boys. Who, who were the characters in that United team? Um, Anyone probably Davy Robertson, Big Lee Wilkie liked to play a few pranks. Dillo would, yeah, Sean Dillon would would mess about with stuff. Uh, Dillo was someone who like he has these superstitions. Like if he touches elbow, he has to tap his other elbow, and like he has to fold his towel a certain way. So like boys would be running past him in the warm up, just touching his elbow on you know on purpose, purpose but yeah. pretending they're not meaning that, and he'd see him. <laughs> tapping his other tapping his other elbow, or you know, they'd go in and they'd mess his cl- his clothes up. That he'd, he'd be like, oh, has to fold it a certain way. OCD, yeah. um, aye, proper OCD. Um, big streaky was one that like liked to to mess about and play practical jokes, and and I, I would never think that with big Wilkie. Aye, yeah. big Wilkie. But he actually got done once with uh, with Sean, and and I was probably helped slightly, but I had a brace on my knee, so I wasn't overly involved. Right. But Dillo. He done. I can't mind what he done to Dillo, but he done something to Dillo that made him retaliate. And he he cut out a piece of cardboard like a registration plate, 
and he drew the W four N K E R on it. <laughs> and we went round to Streaky's apartment one evening, probably about half ten at night, and we stuck it to the front of, front of his motor. <laughs> but but Streaky used to park his car, like he used to drive into spaces all the time. So like he used to drive in where he parked at his apartment. So and it was up against like bushes so he would never see it and then mm. when he got to Tanadise going to training he'd always park against the wall so he would never see, see the, he'd never see the red so he drove around with this thing for about a week to 10 days on his car <laughs> love that and we were both injured at the time and, and he was driving to I think it was a David Lloyd in Money Feet we were driving up to and, and people are obviously looking and laughing and I'm in the car with him and he's like what are they looking what are they laughing at so he and he's probably getting aggressive <laughs> yeah, yeah. and angry <laughs> And eventually, like, he walked around the front of his car and he's seen it and he's like, bastards. <laughs> so he then retaliated again with, uh, he brought, last game of the season, he brought live crickets and put them in um, Sean's pockets, my own pockets and someone else's pockets. So did you put your hand in your pocket? And it was like- uh, so after the game, you know, most players go and get their phone to see what the scores are, see, check their social media, yeah. etc. Um, and we've gone out into the pocket, bang, phone, crickets everywhere, all over the stage. You know? <laughs> they sent a like that for the big good. man. It's good. Good, mate. Uh, you scored 11 goals in the second half of that season. What was that down to? Did you, as you say, was Husty a bit more probably, attacking football? Probably, you know, Husty was a striker in, in his in his day, so he probably... A very bad one, but... Uh, <laughs> so he probably, you know, just unleashed the, the reins and, and probably, you know, inter- like as I said, introduced uh, probably some of the more, you know, younger ones that were you know, probably more attack minded. So um I felt I played my best football under UCD if I'm being honest. Did you right? Yeah. Um like I said, he just gave you a bit more freedom to to go and and probably do more um and, and take part in the game more. See Husty with you the older boys run the dressing room? Whereas Yeah, kind of and I think Craig was similar in terms of like, you know, you would have had Baz and, and, and Streaky and then obviously then when they moved on it was myself, Sean uh, ranks Willow you know and he would he would lean on you and um, ask your opinion, opinion and make and make you feel part of it and um, so no that was that was part that I, I really enjoyed Right mate every United fan I want to know about the Scottish Cup uh, go to the semi-final how much was the pressure cranked up Celtic were knocked out by Ross County the day before Oh Wraith, Wraith. Oh, Ross County and then we played Wraith yeah. yeah like incredible that like Were you sitting watching the Celtic So we, we just trained and then we came in and we were having our we were having a bite to eat before we went to the hotel and um, was watching the game and Ross County obviously scored and you're kind of looking at each other going, all right, see what happens here. Like you're thinking Celtic are going to come back and, yeah. and win 3 or 4-1 and, and eventually Ross County saw the game out and won the game and we're kind of thinking, right, well, we're now sat on the bus to go to the hotel for the semi-final with the opportunity to win the Scottish Cup if we beat two championship teams and, and again, no disrespect to the two teams yeah. but... We knew if we played to the capabilities that we had in our change room, we should beat these teams, you know, and we and we showed that. And so, is it actually said that somebody somebody actually say, "Listen, lads, what a chance we've got no, here?" No, we just sat just around and it. that evening we said, "Lads, like we can't mess this up, huh? Yeah. Like what a chance to win a Scottish Cup and and to win a trophy and and you know, as a football player, you don't get many opportunities to win medals and win trophies and." You know, when you're growing up as a kid and you want to be a football player, you just think it comes all the time and you're always playing in cup finals and it doesn't happen like that. And, mm. you know, so we knew it was a massive chance um, and a massive opportunity. So there was probably a bit of added pressure going into that game. Um, 
but there was a, there was probably more of a focus as well because we we knew like if if Ross County can turn over Celtic, then Wraith can turn us over. Yeah. And, you know, we need to make sure that doesn't happen. What do you remember of that game, the semi final? Not an awful lot, to be honest. Nah. Um, just obviously getting through the game, and then the focus then goes to the final, and we're obviously in a good position then because I think we had secured third place in the league, so we were, you know, usually then could could mix his team up uh, in the run up to you know final. the final, and there was no, you know, you could you could you could handpick the games you wanted to play certain players in, and you know make sure that they were fresh for that that final game. And how is the preparation for a cup final? Do you go away for the on the Monday? No, we just stayed in just normal week. Just, was that right? Yeah, just normal week. We just trained and then we went... Um, did you get the Ted Baker suits in that? Um, we did get, we get suits. I think we had... I remember seeing you in suits. Ah, we probably did, yeah. I can't mind. We, we had suits, the, the grey ones with the badge. Yeah. Gutted with the badge. I couldn't use it again. You know? <laughs> that is That's terrible, suit, isn't it? it? <laughs> you, know, you don't mind if it's something on the inside, you can then wear it again, but you can't wear it again. <laughs> Um, By the way, there was rumours, and this is that team, so I want to address them. There was rumours that Gary Kenneth used to go out on a Saturday night to Fat Sam's with a United suit on. I would probably can you quash say, those rumours? I can't quash them, and I'm, I'm not going to confirm them, but I'm not going to say they're not true. <laughs> <laughs> I seen them in Fat Sam's a couple of times, mate. Aye, club toy on and off. <laughs> um, no, so obviously we went um, trend all week, and I think Houston and the staff done a really good job. They didn't want to play it up. They didn't want to make the game feel any more important than it was, um, and they tried to make it as normal as possible for everyone. And um, you know, we went to the hotel just like we would do for a normal away game. And um, obviously, the you know, I was rooming with Conway actually that night. We were both talking about oh, the great to score, and he went and scored, scored too. Um, I'm sure we watched the commitments that night as well. Oh, what a film! A great Mustang film. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. yeah, so it was. Uh, <laughs> That was that was funny because you're about you know you're, you're lying in your beds and you're just talking about the game and what could happen and what could potentially you know happen if it goes the way you want it to and you're talking about maybe scoring a goal or you'd love to score and uh, obviously buzzing for him that he he, he got to that thing. Did you sleep the night before? I I right. yeah eventually yeah I, I find the hard when I was when I was playing I, I used to find the hard to sleep in hotels I don't I don't know what it is just like my own bed you know yeah. so. Regardless of the game, I would probably take me a while to get asleep in a hotel bed. Uh-huh. Uh, reflections on the game. What did you, you must remember a few things for that game. Yeah, I remember Mick McGovern making a save from one of my headers in the first half. And I was like, oh. Good keeper, Mick. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was good. Yeah. And then um, just the first goal going in, Goody, you know, a ball over the top. I think it was Mogaro maybe played a ball over the top. And that was one time I was happy to run after a ball. <laughs> Because Mick has come out then and, and cleared it and it's gone to Goody and he's he's lifted it over yeah. him from about 40 yards. And from that moment then we knew that Ross County were going to have to come at us and kind of have to open up. Um, and then when Conway scored that second one, you know, it was really game over. The third goes in and you know that that's definitely... How good the feeling is that when the third goes in you can actually just enjoy knowing that you've yeah. won the Scottish Cup? Yeah, it was it was incredible and, and obviously the, the atmosphere in the stadium and... Um, something that you know you, you'll never forget. And, See, um, just on Gomez as well. I always like Gomez as a player. Aye, good player. Good player, wasn't it? Really good player. And him, him and him and Prince. Prince Barber, that was and, right. Uh-huh. Uh, two of them were really, really good together at that time and that period. And what were they like as guys? Quite chilled. Aye, chilled. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, they were good guys. Ah, eh? they were really good guys and really good players. And they loved um, Fat Sam's as well, mate. I'm they love Fat. I seen they turn Fat. You Sam's probably would have. Uh-huh. Eh? You would have. Um, I wasn't really. 
one to go out that much. I had the, the wife and, and little what in there. What place still make fat sounds? Fatties, yeah. Oh. It was, Did it was you good. go a few times? A few times. I was there once or twice, you yeah. know. Um, when you had the team nights out and stuff like that. What a place. Uh, celebrations after it. Is that where you went? We went back. So we went back on the bus. We actually stopped at the Westerwood to get some beers for the bus. At Cumbernauld? At Cumbernauld. Yeah. And myself and Sh- Sean doesn't doesn't drink, never has. Sean so, Dillon? Aye. That's why he's so ripped to me. Aye, it will be. It will be. And why we, this is why we're like this. Aye. <laughs> I, I've, I've not had a night in the past nine months where I've not drank. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, so... Uh, Sean, uh, Sean never, never drank. So we both, we both jumped off the bus to go into the Westwood and Ross County were there, and it just felt. I was like, oh no, oh, was it? Aye. Oh no. Yeah. So <laughs> what, was, you were all jumping about, and they were just. So it was not. We just went in to get the the beers yes. in for the bus, and you're kind of like, oh, it's like oh, you know, awkward one, it? it was really awkward. So we just grabbed our beers and and legged it. Um, we went back to the stadium, and the club had put on like. Uh, like a, a few celebrations in, in one of the suites for for the players and their families and close friends and um and Hunty had somehow managed to get into that you know Hunty had Hunty uh, Hunty's just some man you know he just he managed to get into that and then the next day he was he was on the bus open top bus with us he was out on the what and he wasn't even part of the team no <laughs> well he just came up to watch I came up to watch and he <laughs> he managed to just wangle his way into all these celebrations but no I love that yeah he was even out on the is it the Caird Hall isn't it the, uh, the Caird Hall where, we, where we, we went the next day to and obviously all the fans were there and we were out with the trophy he was out with the trophy and all in front of all the fans <laughs> oh, uh, he's just he's just a great guy great character uh-huh. um, but yeah so in the following day we obviously had the open top bus around um, Dundee Dundee and um, but we're all still worse for wear. Went back to the stadium, um, went back to, I think the club put on a, another deal at the Hilton. Um, and then the next day we went off and Danny Granger stag deal to Ibiza oh, for a week. what a week that is. Oh, it was incredible. Would that be one of the best weeks of your career? I probably the highlight of my career. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it was incredible. But then you had, um, look, we were all in, we drove, had to drive down to Manchester and the, obviously the ash cloud was around at that time and a right. lot of flights were getting cancelled. So we were obviously concerned that we were going to miss our trip to Ibiza, but we were lucky that we got out before any flights were cancelled. So I had a week in Ibiza after that as well and um, got a henna tattoo of the Scottish Cup on my, and you're saying? on my side and told my missus it was real and she was raging with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that came off after two weeks. So that was uh, good fun. Any stories for Ibiza? No. Not really, no. Just yeah. me and Conway trying to sport speedos, but that was about it. <laughs> did you go speedos for a week? Ah, of course Good, you did. Man. Did you see any any fans recognise you over an Ibiza after just winning the Scottish um, Cup? I can't recall. Possibly, but you're I yeah, but yeah, exactly. I wasn't uh, really paying attention. Brilliant, right, mate. Over the next couple of years, I mean, the list of some of the players are the maddest guys I've met. Gardine and Gunnan, especially. What did you make of the scene? You're an older pro. What do you make of the scenes that you see see with the I've actually, do you know what I had? Cardine's nuts, isn't it? I had deleted all that from my memory until you've just brought it back up. Look, I, they were harmless, huh? Yeah, like, and, and, yeah and they were funny, and they try and 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 it's good to have boys like that in your changing room that can that can lift the mood, especially like if you've come in, you know, come in on a Monday after getting beat one 0 on a Saturday, or you know, and and you're trying to forget about it, and and these are having a bit of carry on, and yeah. and I think the big thing with them was they knew there was a line, huh? and if they ever went. Beyond that, were they ever close to getting to the line, John? Possibly, possibly. What with jobbies and stuff like that? Huh? Aye, like like videoing themselves doing stuff, like <laughs> and, and sending it. To, and you're just going, come on, ah, like 
I'm a dad, eh? I've got I've got a little in a home. I don't need to be seeing stuff like this. But, Every time yeah. I see a Snapchat fame image, I'd just open it and shut it straight away because I knew what was coming. Eh? Yeah. But like that that's the thing. It was harmless harmless fun that they, they were trying to do and listen, it is what it is. And and as I said, I had tried to erase it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of them have the balls to, to try and stitch you up? Um look, look you're part of the group, and yeah. there would there would stuff would happen like there was a lot of socks getting caught up at that time, and boxer shorts getting caught yeah. up, and um, you know you knew it was them, but you could never prove it. Uh-huh. What about Gunner? Is, is he quite funny? He's his boys are saying that he's got quite big time shouts, but he's obviously doing it in a jokingly way. Aye, he would like you know what I mean he he would um, he would have that, but okay again he's a good a good boy and a good a good lad and. But sometimes it can carry over onto the pitch. Like I know when I left United, you know, I seen there was one where he picked the ball up and all. And, and just like, walked off. Oh, look what you doing. Like, but like <laughs> that's where he needs someone to maybe just yeah. say, "Gav, come on, ah. like you know, you need to get a grip of yourself." Yeah. Um, but as I said, when it's in the change room, it's in that environment. You're, it's fair game. Uh, some of the talent that you've had coming through there as well: Armstrong, Mackay, Stevens, Gold, Johnny Russell, Scotty Allen. Who's a uh, Who's been your favourites? Who were the ones that you could tell straight away? Um, I think you could tell with them all that they had something and they had ability and they, you know, when given the opportunity to go and play, they would um, excel. But I think the one for me was was Gary McCoy Stephen. Was it right? Like well, he came in on trial. Um, I'm not sure if he just left Liverpool or. or Somewhere I think he went to Airdrie because we've been oh, yeah, to Airdrie and then he went to on trial at United. That's right. Aye. So he come in on trial and he played. He played a couple of games in training, and we were all like, we were going off to UCD, going like, who's this kid? Mm. He's a guy, Gary McCoy, Stephen. We're trying to get him in from Airdrie, and he, he had to really fight hard. I remember telling me he had to fight hard to get him like three or four hundred pound a week to get him in. Wow. And um, because he'd probably done his budget, or um, and so the chairman was probably a bit reluctant to release any more funds, but. He was just like some of the stuff he would do in training. You'd see him practicing these tricks and 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 you know skills, and then then he would go on a Saturday and he'd actually do the he would do it like the one at St Johnson he done on the touchline, like yeah, the little. And, and that, I don't even know how he done it. I'd probably do my knee trying to do it, you know. <laughs> but like he would do that in training all the time, and he would do stuff that you would just be. He would actually stop and go, "Wow, like that's incredible." So he he for me is one of the the most skillful players I've played with. Was there any? Was there any that were just as good that maybe never hit the heights that they did? Um, there was a few like like Pongo, uh, Roy McCord. Yeah, Ryan he, McCord. He he was a good player, um, but just probably never had that opportunity. Uh, Greg Cameron was. Oh, I remember Greg was a good player as well. He was a he was a tidy football player. Yeah. yeah, that you know probably never kicked on. Um, so I, I'd imagine there's probably people I've missed there as well. Like, yeah. But there was a couple of players that, you know. But with football, there's only 11 spots again the team to mm. play. So you, you need to, when you're given, you know, you might only get half an hour to go and show what you can do. And it's it's essential that you maybe, you know, and you, you take that opportunity. See, the ones that did make it big, did they all have something in common? Was there one thing that they all had? That's why they're playing at the top and maybe others aren't? Um, I think they all, you could all see they had a love for the game. You know, even you know John Souter, you know yeah, Goldie, yeah, they all yeah. kind of came through at the same time, and they all palled around together. But they would go down to like the parks on a you know after training, you know when they go home in the evenings and just play football together. Really, with yeah. that? Huh? Aye. So like you know they had that real love for the yeah. game, and and 
all wanted to succeed and they had that focus that they wanted to, to kick on. Yes, some of them messed about in, in the training uh, grounds and stuff like that and had a bit of carry on. But when it came to the actual training and, and playing the games, they were, they were you know, switched on. Uh, finished fourth that season, 22 goals, 2011-2012. You've said it's your best football under Houston, but also the deliveries and the service that you're getting off of the type of players, it must have been a dream for you. Yeah, well, you had like Paul Dixon from left back, Dillo from right back, then you had the like the wide players as well. Like, even when Johnny played out wide, he yeah. would, you know, and and I was the type of player that relied heavily on service. Service, you know, I, I'm not a good Willie who's going to get the ball, be three players and score, or or Johnny Russell who's going to get it and shift down my feet from toward the yards and bang it in the top in. I, I needed service, and I kind of knew what I was about and where I was going to get my goals. So. It was a case of getting hold of the ball, getting at the players that could supply me service. And thankfully, I had players in the team and in the squad that could could deliver that service. No rocket science, is it? Knock it wide and get in the box. When when I'm in the team, that's what you need to do. Brilliant, mate. Houston leaves. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How much of a blow was that? And did, obviously, you, I think you were a captain at the time. Did he come uh, and tell you? I think he spoke about he was potentially because there was there was obviously talk of myself and I think Willow at the time maybe moving on. Um, Why was that? Um, personally, the contract negotiations hadn't gone well. It was it wasn't really anything to do with money. It was more to do with the longevity of the contract, to do with the the, the length, and it was just. You spoke about it there, 22 goals. It was the first time I think a striker had scored over 20 goals since the 90s for Dundee United. And mm. I felt I was I was on, you know, the ascendancy and I was getting better. Um, and I got offered a year extension. So, you know, the club... You're getting a two-year, minimum two-year. Well, that's kind of what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, and I think if I'd have been offered that two-year off the bat, I'd have signed it there and then. Um, I wouldn't have made that same mistake of looking for more money. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that kind of, you know, it, it was that was probably the bit that annoyed me the most was that I got offered a year extension and and I, I was like, you know, I'm gonna just hold fire and see what pops up. 
I'm going to just just wait and see. And um, and then as the season went on, I was doing well. I was scoring goals. Um, and then when I think when Eusti said he was going to leave, the club had then come to me and said, "Oh well, you know, we'll offer you a two-year deal." But it was to try and Eusti's leaving, but our club captain staying. Stay and I kind of seen through that. Um, and I thought, "No, look, I've come this far. I want to see what's available." Um, so that that was that was kind of the main reason why, personally, why I thought I'd run down my contract and, and see. I just felt a bit let down by the the year extension. Yeah, uh, who still leaves and Jackie McNamara came in. It was total football under McNamara, wasn't it? I he was again. He was someone who wanted the team to play. Gave yeah. us freedom to play. Um, similar to Usti. Um, a bit quieter than Usti, Jackie. Sorry, a wee bit quieter than Usti. I. Uh, he was a bit quieter, but he had like obviously Darren Jackson and, and Simon Said, Donnelly yeah. there, um, you know, who who complimented him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought I, I enjoyed my my six months. I think I was with with Jackie. I enjoyed that time there. Um, you know, the tra- he tried to implement little challenges into training that I quite enjoyed. You know, mm. little crossbar challenges to buy the juice or the the sweets for the Friday or or wherever. Um, so there was little things that he implemented um, that probably brought a fun more fun element can I remember being down south and watching some of the games and when Jackie first came in and some of the football was ridiculous at Dundee United played under him mm-hmm. yeah but the team was there and the players were there and um, you know the younger ones again were that was when Golden that first came through wasn't it yeah, yeah. when well, you look at that and you think like for the first six months Eustace kind of blooding the youngsters giving them opportunities and then when Jackie comes in they have that six month experience yeah. under their belt and, and they know what's expected of them and um, you know and, and again under a new manager they're trying to impress and you know the football as you said was, was good to be part of and, and, and good to play in Right big man here we go when do you first hear that Rangers are wanting you? Probably February or March Any uh, other teams? There was talk of Fleetwood, there was talk of a couple of, but again, nothing concrete, you know, nothing nothing that was put in front of me to say, you know, here's an, here's an option or an offer. Um, so I kind of had the Dundee United offer of the year extension, which had then been increased to the two years, or the option to go to Rangers. So um, it was actually Eustie that rang me. Um, I think, I'm sure it was February, March, where he rang me and he just said, look, I've had Ali McCoyst on the phone asking about you, what type of person, your character, what you can bring and um, to the table. So he just kind of said, would you would you mind if I passed your number on? I just thought, I'd love to speak to Ali. You know, I've got a lot of time for Ali. Mm. Um, a lot of respect for him. Like the year we won the Scottish Cup, we knocked Rangers out at the quarter-final stage. And I always remember how he conducted himself after the game, you know, waited for us all to come off the park, shake our hands, wish us all the best. Did you, huh? Good. Uh, you know, and we were obviously out celebrating for... You know, 15, 20 minutes after the game with uh, the fans, you, just milking it. Ripped the arse uh, just totally <laughs> ripping the arse out. But, you know, to to have that about you, to stay behind and, and wait and, you know, shake everyone's hand. And I just thought that was the mark of the man he was and, and is. Um, and someone that I just, it just stuck in the back of my mind, you know, that I, I thought it was, thought the way he behaved in defeat was, was exemplary. Yeah. And, you know, I'd seen, you know, times when we beat maybe, Celtic or beat other teams where you know it wasn't down to it wasn't the well done to Dundee United it was more oh we didn't play well yeah. and you know I, I think that was something that, that really stood out for me So after that's February how, how soon after that phone call does Alan McCoy phone you? Probably a day or two um, How was he on the phone? Funny? 
Yeah, he just he just arranged the meeting. We spoke, uh, and then we went and we met. I brought me and my wife Linda went to meet him with the kids and. Just um, kicks. I don't think we did at the time, though. So you're you you're probably one of the only ones. I'm that, probably higher esteemed than all of my wife anyway. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we went and met him and, and just obviously see what he had to say and um, and what his plans were and um, and how he's seen me fitting into that um, structure and. So no, I enjoyed the conversation and obviously then thought I'd love the opportunity to go and play there. How did he look and he smells brilliant in that, didn't he? <laughs> I can't it's recall that. It's not, it's not something I could say. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't go over and sniff him. You know? <laughs> so do you then need to go and tell Dundee United that you're, you're going to leave? Well, I think um, I'm sure that Rangers approached Dundee United to say we'd like to speak to your player because I think you have to go through the process of, um, you know, you can't, I think you have to let them know you're speaking yeah. to the players. So then I, I spoke to the club and just said, look, I've, I've spoken to Rangers and I'm, I'm going to move at the end of the season. And how did they take that? Not happy? Well, I don't, I, like, I'd imagine they're probably not happy, but at the end of the day, it's a decision that you as a player need to make. And, um, you know, it wasn't like for that last few months of the season, I was going to down tools. It was certainly not the type of a character I am. And um, if anything, I was going to, prove more why they should have offered me a two-year contract from the start. Uh, definitely. But the, the day you left United, sad day? Cause great yeah, time look, it's, it's, when I look back on my career, that's the club that you know I feel connected to. Yeah. And it's the club that you know, I've probably had my greatest times and my darkest times with my injuries. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's definitely the club that I, I feel that I have the greatest connection with and, and, and one that, you know, I, I want to see them do well and 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 see them see them progress and 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 you know just get back to where they should be. Was there not any doubt, Stuart, the fact that Rangers were going to be in League One that next season? Did that not come in? It it comes into it a little bit, but like you know, when you're turning thirty years of age, there's there's obviously the finances that come into it. There's the the terms of the length of the contract. Um, it's going and playing in front of fifty thousand people every second week, so. You know, going and playing in League One and playing at, at smaller stadiums as such didn't really bother me. Um, you know, I played in, in England in the lower leagues and, and I was used to smaller stadiums that, you know, tight changing rooms. And so I kind of had that ex been exposed yeah. to that experience before. So um, it does come into it a little bit, but it, it's kind of a secondary thought. Um, and I think the, the thought of being part of the process to try and help the club get back to... Where, where they should be and where it was 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 a good project to to go on board with. Uh, the media highlighted the fact you're the first Irish Catholic to play for Rangers. Uh, did you take much notice of it? Not really, no, because like there's obviously this big thing made of it. You know, oh, he's he's Irish and he's a Catholic, but I don't. I'm not religious at all, eh? and I don't. I don't. I'm not practicing Catholic. I'm not. You know, so like, if anything, I'm probably an atheist if I'm being truthful. You know. Um, you know, so that that all that kind of hype and everything that was for me is just nonsense, um, and I, I don't really pay much attention to it. And obviously, there was a there was a kind of big deal I made about it at the time that you know still getting asked about today, whether yeah. it's yourself or other people you speak to. It's it's obviously still a big talking point, but for me, I just seen it as going and playing for a massive football. You know, there. Are, you know, worldwide institution. They're a huge, huge football club. They have fans all over the world. Same as Celtic. You know, yeah. two massive football clubs. That you know, regardless of what league they're in, 
they still have massive crowds coming and, and they play at a huge stadium, fantastic training facilities. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I didn't pay much attention to it, to be honest with you. Mm. Did, was there a lot of negative reaction at home in that? Um, yes and no. There was, there was people that obviously aren't happy with your decision. Um, I actually had a few letters to the house. Uh, yeah, that was, well, just that I was a disgrace, and um, I had my family would have been absolutely disgusted with me, but they weren't. They were absolutely delighted, and um, the one that I remember vividly was <clears throat> it was sent to Dundee United for the attention of John Daly, and it got forwarded on because I wasn't at the club anymore. Um, and I came home from I think we've been away on holidays just after the summer. I came home and. I'm lugging the suitcases into the house. My wife sat, picks up the post. She goes in and sits down. She's gone through it. And she's got a handwritten letter. What's this? And I walked in. I looked into the sitting room and I could see her face was raging. And I was just like, oh, what's going on here? So she's like, gave me the letter. And I just thought, oh, wow. Like, like, this guy has sat down, took the time to write this letter of hatred to me about my decision and about how much of a disgrace I am to my family and this and that. And, and how, you know, taking in, in quotations, the Queen's money and all this, and then signs it off, Seamus, whatever his name was, and his address, living in Derby, I'm thinking, are you taking the piss? You're telling me about taking the Queen? <laughs> and you're an Irish fan living in Derby, getting paid the same sterling that I'm getting paid. So it's definitely well flooded with that letter, wasn't it? Oh, hundred percent. There was no stamp on it, mind you. So he's just, just the door. <laughs> uh, but you had that, and then there was other like one or two that were sent to the club that you know just. I eventually got to the stage where I, I just felt sorry for people that have that hatred within them and, mm. um, and feel the need to write that. And, um, and I got to where I spoke to Stevie on the front desk, and I said, "Look, Stevie, any mail that comes to me, you check it first, and." Anything, it tells you aye, anything that's negative or not people looking for, you know, signed top or whatever, just I'm not interested, just put yeah. it in the bin. So, right, on to the more positive stuff. Atmosphere when you first came in under Ali McCoy's place must have been buzzing with him as manager. Yeah, it was, it was great. Fun place to be, uh, yeah, great. And I, I loved, you know, I loved working on the rally. Um, and I felt, you know, going in and you know with the career he'd had as a player and as a coach, you know, you could still, I felt I could still learn and still improve and still pick up information and little nuggets uh, that he he had. You know, when you look at um, the amount of goals he scored and, you know, little tips that he could give you, like, it was great. You know, yeah. even for me at that age, you could, I feel, still felt I could improve. Um, and as you said, the club had just been promoted. Um, so they were all in a good place. And Would he join in training? Occasionally, yeah. Occasionally, he would join in the the possession boxes or on the Pretty odd good. game. Aye, nah, he could still score and still he? he could still uh, get about. And he always looked to try and nutmeg people in the little possession boxes and have a laugh about that. But um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed working in that, in that atmosphere with him. See, as a manager, could he still have could he still have banter? Or did he kind of try and stay away from that? No, he still that was the way he was. Eh? Yeah. And, and every manager, as you well know, is different, and they all have different attributes and different qualities. And and his was. He dealt with things in that way, and um, and he he tried to have that jovial side to him, where he, he tried to make the atmosphere, um, you know, probably a bit more fun. Which I can understand, you know, when you think of the pressures of playing for a club like that, you know, if it's too serious, it can it can get on top of people, and um, and and that probably took away the attention of all the other stuff that was maybe going on at the time. Do you remember any funny one-liners that he had? 
Slaughtering boys? Not really, no. Nah, no, nah, nah, just not off the top of my head. But like again, he, he like I said, he just loved to have a laugh right. and a joke. Uh, what about teammates? Who was, who was the good lads in that squad? Um, well, I got on really well with Fozzy, uh, Richard Foster yeah. at the time. Nicky Law got on really well with. Um, Blackie was a good lad. Lee McCulloch, great guy. Yeah. But again, it's funny because before you go and your teammates with these guys, you have kind of an impression of them in your head. Uh And you do, you just think, oh, these are going to be dicks. eh?" And they're they're like, you know, but it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, they could have many battles against Jig, you know, playing against them. And, you know, he's just a good, honest pro. And um, and then Blackie was similar, someone who you just thought, oh, I'm not going to get on with him. But, you know, when you actually meet them and you get to know them, they're good guys. And, um, you know, it teaches you, you know, you can't just judge people before you meet them. It's the same with this show, mate. Like, you think your Danny and Black is going to be in, in Big Jig as well, and they're two great guys. Ah, uh-huh. no, brilliant, brilliant. Was brilliant Jig the people. captain at the time? Jig was captain, yeah. Was yeah. he good in like, letting everyone know what it meant to play for Rangers? And Ah, yeah, well, he had that obviously experience yeah. of playing there when, when you know, they were in the, in the final. In the, that, yeah, yeah, so, you know, he, he kind of made sure like everyone conducted themselves properly and, and, and went through the processes. Need to ask you, mate. Uh, big Moshni Jess Grubo huh? not a great guy yeah like when I seen that happening at Motherwell I, I just it's totally our character you know because he's a he's a really good good lad eh? like and, and it just obviously everything that's gone on and obviously I think Lee Irwin has pulled his hair that day and it's probably just got a bit too much you know and I think he was someone that you know, playing against him in training, he was he was a beast. He was so hard to like play against. The big, like long, long legs, blocking shots, and just always, always got back and made tackles. And um, someone who probably at that level found it too easy, and and probably lost concentration because he found it too easy. Yeah. Um, but when he was focused and he was on it, he was a, he was a good player. Talking about finding it too easy, mate. First season flying, 21 goals for you and comfortably win the league. How was that stepping out of Ibrox every second week, full house? Yeah, it was... It was Did you raise your game or is it the same? No, I, I I think at that age, you know, I was a bit older, so I'd kind of been around the block. I'd played at stadiums like that before and you kind of get used to playing in games um, of that, that magnitude. And with them, you know, obviously then you're going... The, the difference is you're going and, and the majority of them, 50,000 people, are there to support the team rather than, you know... You're, normally playing against them um, so yeah so it was it was great it was it was incredible walking out and you know uh, tunes blasting and the flags and all the fans singing but with that comes the pressure of mm. you know performing and, and making sure that though, no again it's it's probably just part of my character and yeah. the way I am I, I, I like that um, I like that pressure of having to to do that and again if you're not performing they let you know and um, you know, even when you sometimes thought you were performing, they let you know. You Did know, they, well, after games and stuff like that. Yeah, like I think because you're in League One and you're playing against sometimes playing against part-time teams, you're expected to just go and win every game ten nil. You know, yeah. and it doesn't happen like that. And you know, you know, you've got to give a lot of credit to the teams. They come, they're organised. They they're not going to make it easy for you. Um, and, and if you don't get a goal early, it then gives the opposition that that little something to hold on to, and it becomes mm. more difficult to. To, to break them down and, and and it makes them go a bit longer as well where you know the games that were, were comfortable were the games that you maybe you know you scored after 10 minutes and and maybe scored a second in 15 20 minutes and then you could see that the opposition are thinking this is going to be a long day yeah you know so they're they're the games that 
for me were the ones that were easier. But when the teams held out for longer periods, it, it became tough. Tough, and then yeah. and then the fans then let you know, and um, and that was like when we when I was at United, and you were going to play Rangers, you were going to play um, Celtic, or even going to Hearts and Hibs. You, you would always say, look, first twenty counts. minutes, mm. let's get the crowd turned, and yeah. um, and it was it was it was strange being on the other side of the defence. Do you, does the team like Rangers still celebrate winning League One? Is it a party? Aye, we, we celebrated, yeah. We celebrated. Of course you do. It's, it's a league title. And it's, mm. it's part, as I said, it's part of that journey to get back to where they, they need to be and where they are now. And You get a beer with Ali? Aye. Aye, you get a beer with Ali. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you certainly do. Well, and Ibrox, did you just go out for a beer? No, um, Ibrox, we had a few. We had a night out as well, I think, as, the, as a team, which was, which was good. Um, but I, I still lived in Dundee at the time. I travelled across every day. Um, on your own? Uh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, so I just travelled across, listened to loads of podcasts and up and go. Did you, did you get an Ali just now? No. Oh, no. nightmare. Uh, right, mate, second season. Did you feel confident going to the championship? Because Hibs and Hearts were in the league at that time and they were uh, strong, weren't they? They were. But again, you're going into it and you're... You're Rangers. You're Rangers. Yeah. You're, you're a big club and as Hearts and Hibs are and you're expecting that, you know, it's going to be difficult. Um, on a personal note, I had to have a clean up of my knee, which was disappointing. The club, you chase a bargain, so I could get chasing them Both. balls again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was it was disappointing. I didn't have a proper preseason under my belt, which then you know you you're playing catch up throughout the season. Um, but you know, I think I'm, I'm if I remember correctly, Hearts came to Ibrox in the opening day and, and won two one. Yeah. Um, which then you know you're straight behind the eight ball uh, straight away you know trying to play catch up did it unsettle you that they brought Kenny Miller and Chris Boyden did Ali tell you that he was going to bring strikers in over the summer um, no but you expect, you expect it, it you yeah. expect it when you're at a club um, any football club you expect you know them to try and progress and you expect them to try and bring in competition and again Boydy and Kenny two really good strikers but different to what I, I can offer and, and, mm. and you know they bring different things to the table so I knew I still had a part to play um, in terms of like if, if the manager wanted to play a set way, then I could offer that. And um, yes, when you see them coming in, you probably think your game time is going to be limited, um, you know, because as I said, they're two top strikers. Um, but it is what it is. It's you're at a club like that, you expect to see good players being signed. Mm. See, uh, see, just on Ali when things started to no go right, did he have that switch in him? Could he go through, boys? I wouldn't say he went through them, but he, he would let you know he's not happy, and you know he would. Like he, he wasn't always laughing and joking. joking he, yeah. You know he, he had that serious side to him, and um, you know when you seen that side of him, you actually personally, you know, I felt that I'd let him down, or you know, not he wouldn't necessarily be having a go at me, but you know he was that re, he was that good for the players and and with the players that you wanted to do well for him, and and when you didn't, you know. You, you felt like you let him know. Was there ever a point you remember you thought he's, he's lost control about the situation? Not really, no. Um, I wouldn't say that you would turn around and say he's lost control, but I think one thing for me is I always look at myself. When things aren't going well, first and foremost, I'll look at myself and say, can I do, what am I, am I doing enough? Can I do anything different? Can I do more? Um, and there's probably one or two boys that pointed the finger at training at things that happened you know off the park um that for me you know when you're playing when you're playing and you're training and you're winning games it's, they don't it's, get spoken about they huh? don't get spoken about you know but when you're losing games i think 
quite a lot of people will tend to look for other excuses rather than just, you know, holding their hands up and saying, do you know what, I, I can maybe do a bit more here. So what was the reaction to Ali losing his job within the squad? Um, within the squad, I would imagine it was a disappointment. Person, personally, I felt I felt like we let him down. Um, as I said, like you know, he'd obviously started this journey to get the club back to where they should be um, with the club that they are, and and I feel I feel sorry for Ali that he never got to complete that journey. Um, it would have been great if he was the one to get them back to the Premiership and and have a go at a season in the Premiership. Uh, and then Kenny McDill took over. Felt for Kenny. Yeah, he's tell a, he didn't want to, want to do that job. Yeah, he was in a difficult spot because he's obviously close friends with, with oh. Ali and. Um, you know, it's obviously politics, probably the, the reasons why they didn't get rid of Kenny at the time. And um, yeah, it was a tough spot for him to be in. Kenny's a funny guy, isn't he? He's no, he's a great and like, All like, you know, I look at managers and I think one big strength of good managers is realising what your strengths are and then complementing yourself with people around you. You know, Kenny was a top, top coach. Yeah? Yeah. Now, Ali would probably openly say that that's not one of his biggest strengths. He's a really good man management um, on that side of it, whereas he got people in around him that could could take sessions and could could coach the players. And, you know, and so you had Kenny and uh, and Dranti as well. And, you know, good guys that like, you Durant's know. funny as well, isn't it? Yeah, no, but, uh-huh. but like, they all complemented each other well. And I yeah. felt that backroom staff was a really good backroom staff. And, and then, you know, when Ali then loses his job, it's it's a difficult spot for Kenny to be in because he probably didn't want the job, but he's a professional and he wants to make sure that he he continues to to do what he's asked to do. And then Stuart McCall <coughs> takes over. How did uh, how did your role in the team change under Stuart McCall? I became a cyclist under Stuart McCall. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I I I fairly like the thing is with me like obviously with my clean up on my knee at the start of the season, right? I didn't train as often, so I, I kind of. Like a lot of older pros, you you learn to manage your body in a in a way that come game day you're ready to go. Yeah. So so the start of the week, I wouldn't be physically on the park training. I would be doing stuff in the gym. I would be on the alter G treadmill doing running and getting my fitness that way, or in the pool doing stuff that way. Um, so I didn't really train on the park until later in the week. Um, but under Stewart, I never really got an opportunity to to show what I could do on the pitch in terms of matches. I think yeah. I was probably the only ones that didn't play under them or, or would play, have played limited game time. Um, and there was times when, when Stewart would just say, look, don't, no need for you to come in tomorrow. No need to travel all from Dundee. So I would get on my bike and I'd just cycle around <laughs> around Fife. I was getting ready for the Tour de France. So I, I, I'd done some ridiculous cycles, honestly. I'd done like 60 miles and 70 miles cycles and all. And, like, I what was, would you say to that when he says you didn't even need to come in? Were you quite happy about that? Or? No, you're obviously like there was times when I was training with the kids and and stuff. Did like he give that. you a like, reason why? Just you're part of the bomb squad, aren't you? And you're just you're just not part of the plans, and um, you know. And, and the biggest disappointed from disappointment for me with that situation was it was getting it was coming out to the press that I was injured and and I wasn't, and and that that bugged me because. I knew that that could then affect me looking to try and get my next move. Or mm. I, I, I was comfortable with the situation in terms of, you know, a manager doesn't reach or doesn't want you, that's fine. But I felt the situation, the way it was done, the way it was handled was wrong. And I just thought, for me, um, 
I felt I should have. It should have been done differently, you know. Um, but I enjoyed my cycling. <laughs> I enjoyed being out on my bike. Uh, Blackie told us, I say his teammates here, but I think it was Blackie that said that the, the atmosphere became a bit toxic in the end. Would you, would you go along with that? Um, possibly. As I said, you know, I think people, if they're honest with themselves, you know, didn't could look, I could have done better, could have done more, um, and started to blame other things that probably, as I said, weren't necessarily reasons for the team not performing. Yeah. Where did you watch the Motherwell game? In my house. On the telly? On the telly. And could you believe what you were watching? No. Um, I couldn't, actually. You know? And, and I, even then, I still felt I could help. Yeah. <laughs> like, even tr- throughout my time in Scotland, the team that I scored most goals against was Motherwell, and I was thinking... If you're ever going to bring me back for one game, bring me back for this game because I will score against these. I always score against Motherwell. Um, but I probably went for a cycle and then watched it. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it a bit sad to me your kind of Rangers career petered out then? Yeah, it was. It was. like, I, like, I obviously went there with a two-year contract to try and get the team back to the Premiership and that was what I had planned to do. And um, It was disappointing that, you know, that kind of second season was a bit part, you maybe played part at the start and then towards the end, not involved. So, um, look, I went there to, to do a job and, and that job wasn't done because we never got back to the Premiership yeah. that year. All right, and then six months at Wraith and then retirement. Was that due to the offer you got for Hearts coaching wise? Yeah, look, I hadn't planned on on retiring. I When I left Rangers, I planned to try and go abroad and try and play abroad for a couple of seasons because I wanted to experience that. I'd never done it. South Africa um, you went, was it? I went to South Africa and trained for a week with the view to signing a two-year deal. Um, you like those two-year deals, didn't you? Aye, two-year <laughs> deals at that age. <laughs> are, a must, are a must, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but the terms of that changed when I was out there right. and I think it was a case of let's get him out here so we can see what it's about and then we'll just offer him less and um, that's not how I kind of operate. I, I like to be upfront with people and... Um, when that when that happened, I just thought I'm going I'm going to go home and and see what else pops up. And um, while I was looking, Ray rang me up. Ray McKinnon rang me up about going to to Wraith. I met met up with him and, and had a chat, and he made a few good points that you know in January the, the foreign window opens up again, and just get yourself playing, get yourself match fit back in the shop window. What was that in the championship? Sorry, it was in the championship. championship yeah. yeah. So so I thought you know what I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to go and play, and I liked what Ray. Wraith had to offer and what Ray was talking about trying to do um, and so yeah I went there for six months and during that time I got a phone call about Hearts um, Jack Ross had left doing the 20s role so that had become vacant and I got a phone call to see if I'd want to meet up with Craig, Anne and Robbie to see if I'd be interested in, in maybe putting myself forward for the job and From one tall dark handsome and another Jack Ross to John Daly Just quickly on the end of Wraith we shout out to your car school because quite a lot of them watch us. Who was it, Toshney yeah. Benedictus? Well, there was, there was two, two, two car, car schools from Dundee. It was Toshney Benedictus, Scotty Robertson, um, Pongo. Pongo, Craig White and myself. Good lads. Yeah, no, great Again, lads. Again, in, in with the younger in with the young team. In with the young, young team, yeah, young team. And we used to... Um, Kyle Benedictus can talk some rubbish, can't he? I certainly can, but good, good lad, good, lad, good, good, lad. good guy. Um, but yeah, no, look, it was... Um, it was a good time. I enjoyed my time at Wright. Yeah. I did. I enjoyed it there. Great, great bunch. 
Uh, great bunch of boys and a good change room as well. So, to hearts, how was that meeting with Levine Budge and who else was it, sorry? Robbie Nielsen. Robbie Nielsen, yeah, how yeah. did that go? No, it went well. It went you well. nervous? See, see, going through playing football to now have an interview for a job, how was that? Different. Look, I've never done it before. Suit and tie? Collar tie? No, I think it was like a short jumper, maybe. Right, okay, yeah. nice. Just, you know, smart cash. Yeah, yeah, I like your style. Yeah. No, so obviously we sat down and we spoke about what they were trying to do and, um, and, and how they felt I could be part of that and... And then I spoke about how I, you know, what I felt I could bring to the table. And um, it was a good conversation that eventually led to me being offered the job and um, left me with a decision then, do I do I retire and go into coaching or do I try and keep playing? But, you know, I'm quite realistic about, you know, the amount of full-time jobs in Scotland and, um, you know, to get offered something like that at that mm. stage was... Of my of my career and of my you know my life was a massive massive opportunity to go into something that I had planned on doing you know a couple of years down the line so I just cut my career short by what I see in two years. What was yeah. that? Wage thirty. Thirty three. Thirty three, right? Um. So yeah. So it was for me. It just felt like the right time, uh, right club at the right time, um, to go and do that. So how how closely did you work with Robbie Nielsen and your twenty year old twenties boys? Um. Kind of, yeah, kind of. It was. I wouldn't say I was, you know, working alongside him. Like Robbie, obviously, was dealing dealing with the first team, but you know, he was obviously there himself. Stevie Crawford, um, were there to to help in any which way they could. Um, you know, obviously, when you're you're stepping into a role like that, having not done that as your job previously, it, it can be difficult, and you're learning on your feet as you go along. And um, it was myself and Liam Fox were in charge of the the twenties at that time, and. Um, you know, they, they were all really, really helpful in, in helping me settle and helping me, you know, step into that role. Uh, you're placed in the interim charge with Andy Kirk when Robbie left. <clears throat> you said you didn't want the job then. Why was that? Um, probably, I probably knew someone else was coming in. I didn't want to upset the boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a joking. So I think, I think at the time I still felt, you know, I was a novice and I still felt that. I had stuff to learn. Um, See, when you look back now, do you think you could have done it? Uh, possibly. I think I think the structure of the club and the way it was, I think, you know, the way they had Craig in as the director of football, you know, he was there to be a sounding board for a young coach. So, you know, if that was to be the same and, and you know, a young coach uh, is stepping in as the head coach, then, you know, if you have any issues or you have any situations that pop up that you, you may be not sure about and you have someone like that to, to bounce your ideas off then probably yeah I think you know I think any any one of the three of us myself Andy or Foxy probably could have stepped up into that role um, with that support from above I was going to say how, how, how was that relationship going for Craig Levine being your manager to now kind of working alongside him well again like I mentioned earlier I felt that he had mellowed um, yeah. You know, obviously, with maybe the change of role had had um, mellowed them out, and maybe you know, from going from Dundee United to Scotland, maybe changed them also because I'd imagine that Scotland you probably can't be the same as you are in Dundee United, or or even as a club manager going to a national manager, it's going to be slightly different, you know, because they're not your players, you know, you're loaning them players from from different clubs, so. Um, so yeah, so as as time had kind of progressed, you, you could see that he had mellowed and he changed, and um, you know. Did you come and watch your sessions and that, and like, 
give you you should do that maybe do that better he would never say you should do this better or you should do that but he would also he would, he would maybe say why have you done it like that or why would you do it like that and if you gave it you'd give the reasons and he'd, he'd maybe say well you can you could also maybe try he would never like say this is how i want it done or that's yeah. how he would always give you the freedom to to do it how you wanted to do it and with would also then giving you advice whenever you needed it. I still, see when I see ex-managers that I played under, I've still got that wee bit of fear of them. Did you still have that? In that I still role? call them gaffer. Do you like, still call them gaffer? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And prefer most of my gaffers, when I see them, I'll call them gaffer. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right. Uh, Ian Cathro came in. How did you get on with him? Grand, yeah. Ian, again, again, similar to Robbie, it wasn't, it was kind of the 20s in the first team and you kind of supplemented players up to them when they needed them. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of Ian's training because from what I'd heard and, and what the, the little I'd seen of it, you know, it was it was really good. He was really good in the training pitch. Um so I would have I would have liked to have seen more. Um but the the bits, the little kind of I think we maybe saying two sessions in my in his time there because I was obviously training at the same, same time. Same time, yeah. Um so yeah, so i think on the park training park he was excellent and from like I said, from what I've heard from the other coaches that Excuse me. At the time, he was he was really good. His detail was 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 excellent. I thought that was good. What do you think he maybe struggled with it? Probably some of the other managerial um, issues, and you know, and I think maybe the the media side of things, and probably wasn't he probably wasn't overly comfortable with you know speaking to the media, and um, I think sometimes then you know people get a perception of of you from what they see on, on the TV camera, or, yeah. or the camera, yeah, so... Um, Did you find him how we seen him on camera? No, he was different, huh? Like, I think he was fine, huh? He was, he was again, he was all right, good lad, just good guy, yeah. um, just love football, good, and as I said, good coach, just, um, just wasn't to be, unfortunately, you know, and then, and ultimately, you know, I think he, when he came in, he came into a squad that probably didn't have the capabilities or the qualities to do what he expected of them and the way he wanted them to play. And um, so there was obviously a big turnover of players um, during that period. And then with that, then if you don't get results, to, you know, at a club like Hearts, a club like any club, you know, if you're not getting results, then um, that pressure mounts. Um, mm. and, and unfortunately that's what happened I always wonder this do you think he's like a have a playing career hindered him in any way um, I wouldn't say so yeah. um, because like I said the couple of sessions I've seen like, like I think if if that's an issue then the players don't respond or the players probably lose respect and, and the sessions I've seen they were all engaged they were all switched on yeah. so um, I wouldn't say so uh, when we talked about his sacking and your appointment as intern, was it was it Peterhead his last game? We played just up at Peterhead. Was that his Dunfermline, last game? Dunfermline, I think. Dunfermline, I think Peterhead then Dunfermline. Yeah, right? Dunfermline. So, um, I Dunfermline was the last game in the the league, the league cup. cup that's league right. Cup. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, when 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 he lost his job, I, I got asked to to step in. Until, Who asked you, Craig? I uh, Craig Craig asked me. He said, oh, like, "Would you mind stepping in until we find someone?" Um. So yeah, so I, I thought, you know what? Why not? It's good opportunity to step in to with a with a group of players that that want to improve and want to get better. And um, and again, it's a difficult one because you don't know how long you're going to be in charge. You don't know, um, 
you don't know how many games you're going to be there for. So it's it is tough, huh? So like, you're even told that if you do well, the job's yours. Nothing like that. Are no, you not no. Told it's going to be this amount of games. Nothing. No, no. So you don't know if it's going to be someone's going to be in by the first after the first game, second game, towards. So yeah. you're you're kind of in a position where you know you have ideas of how you'd like to do things or how you'd like to play, but you can't really implement them in that mm. role. You know, and I think at that time. That was slightly different to the time we took the team at Ross County because Robbie had left on a high and the players were all in a good place and you know it was just a case of copy and paste you know what Robbie was doing let's just put the same team out you know they're in a good place um, and we'll just keep the team running until someone comes in but obviously in this case Ian had left off the back of you know difficult results the team wasn't doing doing well confidence was low so you're kind of going in and you're thinking right, right I, if I'm a player what do I want? I want just intensity in training. I want I want training to be enjoyable, um, you know. And you're trying to just get them back, getting the fitness levels going again, and getting them getting them running about again, and getting them enjoying being a footballer again, and mm. you know, trying to take their mind off what's what's gone previously. Did you tell Craig that you wanted the job? Because you came out and said you came out publicly and said you wanted the job full time. When Craig offered you, did you said I want this job? On a full time. No, I, I never said that to start to him, but like as you kind of get into it and and you're you're enjoying the role and you're is enjoying. It good, is it? Yeah, yeah. You're, I enjoyed everything that came along. You know, even having to deal with the media and and probably the stuff that that Ian didn't enjoy. I quite enjoyed doing that, and um, so yeah, I, I felt probably after the previous one of saying that you know it's probably not for me just now. I felt that I was in a better place, you know, myself, and um, that if. If I got offered it, I felt right, okay, I can I can crack on here and, and, and give this a go. Was there ever a time that you actually thought you were going to get the job? Um I think you're always hopeful, but I think you know it was a difficult, difficult task because you know, you look the games we had, you took Celtic away, Kilmarnock away, um, Rangers away, and then Motherwell away, and, and like historically in recent times. They're, they're the, the most difficult the venues for Hearts um, to pick up results. So it, it was a it was a, a mammoth task. We would have, all have loved to have a game at Tynecastle, mm. <clears throat> but again, with the stand being um, being developed and stuff, the, we the, all them games were away from home. So it was uh, it was definitely a, a difficult task. Uh, you mentioned Celtic. You ended up getting a war of words with Brendan Rodgers. What was it? That, was it the issue? Was it the comments on Craig Levine? It was more to just take the attention off being battered 4-1. <laughs> <laughs> the next I think day, sort of things you're actually thinking of. The that. next day, there was no talk about the result. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more so just, you know what, like he obviously made comments that I didn't necessarily agree with. Um, you know, and again, I went in to see him after, like to see, but he wasn't there. And I was going to say, look, I've had a go at you in the press, but it's smoke and mirrors. It's just to take the attention away from being battered. Like, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, it was funny because it, it kind of gathered momentum, and uh-huh. um, it, it was funny at the time. But again, and then, did he get in touch with you? No, but I seen him not obviously when Celtic came through later in the season, and you laugh about it. But yeah, yeah. And then Craig Levine gets the job. Did you expect that? No, <laughs> I think I, I think everyone thought it was going the way the way it had been under Ian, you know, a novice kind of head coach, novice manager. I think we all kind of expected that they were maybe going to go away from what they had planned. You know, they, they had they had kind of 
this structure in place where the boot room model where it was you know younger coaches come in and then they move on and then the, the next ones come through and I think that was kind of the plan and the process that they had in place but I think when Ian came in and and and, I, and it didn't work um, with the younger coach I think the, we always felt they were going to go and, and get maybe a more experienced head to try and get the club back on track um, didn't expect it to be Craig to be honest I thought it might have been what was your reaction to him getting it? Again, it's it's probably similar to you know when you still got the United job, you're kind of going right, okay. It's, you, can see why. you can see why they've done it, and yeah. you can see you know there's going to be continuity in terms of everyone else knows and he knows how everyone else operates and how everyone else works. So, um, and again, it was an opportunity to work under um, you know Craig in a, as a manager. Then you know he was a very successful club manager before that. Yeah, so it was a, it was an opportunity to work under someone and, and learn from someone, and um, you know, in a different sense. Obviously, when he's in that director of football role, it, it's different. So, um, so yeah, it was it was a surprise. But when I probably you know sit down and actually think about it, it probably not you know su- mm. su- surprised when I heard it. But then when you when you think about the the logistics of it, you probably think right, okay, I can understand why they've done that. And you mentioned earlier that you thought he'd mellowed since Dundee United. Was that maybe one of the reasons why? It- it didn't work out for him as well as it did at Dundee United? Um, I, I don't think so. I think when you look at, you know, he brought in quite a few experienced players and and they, you know, as key players. And I know people are probably fed up hearing this and, things, and think it's an excuse. But, you know, when you take Suter and Naismith, um, all these boys out of the team through injuries, you know, it's going to play it's have its you know uh, Haring was uh, another one when he got Haring uh, was another one um, Ikpizu was out for a while because like the the first kind of season when he got that squad together like I think they were top of the league in October so they were doing really well and um, you know I'm not saying they were going to go and win the league or, but you could see that the team that he had kind of generated wasn't far away it was maybe in my opinion it was probably missing a bit of width you know yeah. some some wide players we kind of relied heavily on on younger wide players, um, but maybe a bit more experience in the wide areas would have probably gave the squad a bit more more balance. But as I said, when you when you take away the key players and probably you know the first five players that are going into your starting eleven, when you take them out for a substantial period, it's it's, it's going to take its toll. And and then like anything, you know. It's it becomes a habit. Eh? Like when you're winning, it becomes a habit. When you're getting beat, it becomes a habit. And you know, when you when the team would concede a goal, you could sometimes see, oh, here we go again. Eh? Yeah. Um. So I, I felt for him because I felt the squad that he had assembled was a decent enough squad. I just he never after that initial kind of three three month period, he never really got a chance to put all them back on the park oh, at the yeah. same time. And then he goes and Daniel Stendhal comes in. Did you get a bad impression of him straight away? No, you, no, not at all. I think when, Dan, when Daniel came in, I think the first day he was in, we were on our pro licence. So we'd spoke to the club and said, look, what do you want us to do? We're on our pro licence. And we'd been told by the Scottish FA, it's 100% attendance, you can't miss any days. Um, so the club were like, look, no, we spoke to Daniel, it's fine. Just, you know, go and do your pro licence and come and meet him on the Wednesday. <coughs> so... On the Wednesday, we came in and um, Daniel walked in, stood up, shook his hand, introduced myself. 
And then I sat there for an hour and I was thinking, what's going on? Eh? So I kind of knocked on his door and said, do you mind if we have so a chat? So sorry, you shook his hand outside his office, then he went in his office for an hour? Aye. And you're sitting outside? So I was sat at my desk. Right. And with the other coaches. So I kind of sat there thinking, like, what's happening? You know? So eventually just knocked on his door and I said, like, like Gaffer, do you mind if I have a quick chat? And he's like, yeah, and you come. So I just kind of said, look, just I don't know what your plans are um, in terms of staffing, etc. Like, I, I know when a manager comes in, they want to bring their own people in, and I get that, yeah. and I was 100% um, aware of that. But I just said, look, until you get your own staff, I said, I'm here to help you in any which way I can. Um, so feel free, like, if you want, whatever you want me to do, I can, I can help in any way. And he was like, right, grand. And so that day he asked me to watch training. So I just watched training. So um, obviously end the training. What did you think? And I just said, look, I enjoyed Because the way he kind of worked, the, the German way, and I, I quite enjoyed it. And I thought it was, uh, it was quite intense, the training. And, and I just said, it just took the players a little bit of time to get used to it, you know, because it's, it's new. Yeah. And I think he took offence to that. So I, I, I just like, right. But then, obviously, the comments of, you know, I can't trust, trust anyone. anyone. That that was for me was a, a slight on my character, and um, w- I was disappointed with that. You know, because I'd kind of, as I said, I'd, I'd gone in, and I'd I'd kind of said, look, until you get your people in, I'm quite happy to to help you out in any way I can. And um, but unfortunately, he, I get why he did it. I get why he did it. Like you know. He's obviously trying to get a reaction, get a reaction yeah. from um, and, and make things happen. You know, try yeah. and speed up the process of getting his own people in, mm-hmm. and, and I understand that. But at the same time, I thought it was it, it was a wrong way to go about it. And did you um, pull him for, for saying that about you? Um, I wasn't there. I, I think I'd left, but I only got I was on BBC. I think a couple of weeks later, someone had asked me about it, and and then I spoke about it for the yeah. first time. And um, so, who told you your time at Hearts was up? Um. No, he, he kind of just said, oh, Anne will speak to you, Anne will speak to you. So Anne, Anne Budge kind of said, look, Daniel's wanting to bring his own staff in. And I, I said, fine, I'll get that, I understand that. And that's what, that's the thing, when you, when, you, when you make that transition from kind of under-20s youth coach to first-team coach, or, or you put yourself out there to be involved in first-team, you are putting your head above the parapet to be, to be shot down, and, and that when a manager loses their job, you're then in a position where your, your job security probably isn't as as safe. It's not, you know, mm. um, it's not the same as probably when you're a youth coach, you're probably a bit more secure. So um, so I got that when Craig left, I kind of I kind of thought, right, well, your, your days are probably numbered. Mm-hmm. So um, I just felt that the way it was handled and, you know, and personally, I, I try and take something from every situation, whether it's a positive, whether it's a negative, and, you know, for me, I took out of that, that situation, the way you treat people, you know, and, and, you know, I've always been of the mindset that if I got a job, I would look to bring my own people in. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it might be worthwhile just seeing what's there as well. What, what's already at the club? Aye. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, despite how things ended, looking to get back in it, I think you should do management, mate. I'd like to. Um, I'd like to, to give it a crack. But again, it's just opportunities in it and mm. it's, the way things are at the minute, it's you know, it's just waiting for football to start back up again properly and obviously the premiership is back up and running. Um you know, obviously you're kind of just waiting for it's 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 a horrible industry, you know, we're sitting here waiting for someone to get the sack for me to no, get no, an opportunity. It. <laughs> and it's it's terrible. It is, it's terrible, but that's that's the way it is. And 
you know, I'm, I'd be quite open-minded again, going abroad and uh, trying something. I wanted it, as I said, I wanted to do it as a player. Um, so even if I got the opportunity as a coach, it would be it would be good. Um, and I still think I can learn. I can constantly learn and, and develop. And um, so even you know, as an assistant and you know, long term, I, I would like to have a crack at, at management. And back on that bike, back cycling, mate. I need to get it off the wall, eh? I've been reading too many of them. <laughs> John, thanks very much, no mate. Problem. Top man. Good man. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.